Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to have you with us another Monday evening, where we have the wonderful opportunity to reflect into this vocation we have been entrusted with to witness to our faith. If you are a faithful listener, you know that what we've been doing is taking up this theme within the context of both motherhood and fatherhood. Uh, and as Two weeks ago, we looked at the model par excellence of fatherhood, St. Joseph. Um, we started up last week with this series of fatherhood as it relates to fathering little ones. And uh, as we did with mothers, we moved from what it means to be a father to little ones, so what it means to be a father to teenagers. And I have asked a local parishioner to St. John the Baptist Catholic Church here in Chico and uh, local business manager here in town, Tom Semenk, to join me. So Tom, it is great to have you with me tonight. Thanks for inviting me, Joe. So, Tom, certainly um, I've asked you to join me because you are a father to a couple of teenagers now. So, Tom, what can you tell us as it relates to the importance of being a, a father to teenagers? Well, I've been blessed, Joe, and being a father to teenagers is a special blessing because it really challenges you uh, as a man and as an adult and as a parent and as a model uh, to truly live your faith and, and model that for your kids. So it's a it's an amazing time and an amazing experience. There's a huge transition from those early years, and you'll soon find out as yours uh, enter those teenage years. There's only seven teenage years, but it's a high focus time. Everyone realizes that because it's a time of incredible change and incredible mm. transition. And there's uh, amazing uh, things that the kids face out there uh, in terms of temptations and uh, the world throwing everything at them. Uh, so it's a it's a time where they truly need uh, a father. Uh, to be a guiding light and a guiding principle for them and to help them see how they can transition through that period and, and become men and responsible adults themselves or women. Amen. And you know, Tom, as you talk about this challenge for us as fathers, I mean, to take ownership, one of the points that came through last week that, quite frankly, I, I think is first and foremost is to understand that our fatherhood comes out of uh, a deeper understanding of our own sonship, because then our fatherhood radiates out of God's fatherhood. There's that great truth that comes from the movie Superman, where Superman looks <laughs> looks upon his son and says, it is in becoming a father that I, I have come to understand what it means to be a son. It's interesting because the movie Superman here, whether it is intentional or not, <laughs> really picks up on one of the great themes of salvation history, that to better understand who we are called to be, we must first understand essentially what it means to be a child of God. There's no doubt about that. And it's that it's that relationship with God, with Christ, that we have to have ourselves and we have to develop ourselves, that then we can go ahead and model for our children. Because without that, uh, we're running blind and we're running on our own and there's no power in that. Um, God uh, the Father, we have to model. There's the consistency. There's the constancy. Uh, there's the forgiveness. There's the presence of of God there for us, being unchanging. And in those times, like I said, as a teenager, the world's changing rapidly. Uh, they're changing, going from, from the boys' standpoint, you know, from the period of cooties to cuties, yeah. you know, and it's going yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. from the time where you're on a pedestal until they enter those teen years till you're 
kind of in the pit. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're looking at to everywhere else but you. At least they think they are. They realize later that they've been watching you all along. Um, so modeling God the Father in that way is critical. And modeling Christ, uh, you know, is the sacrificial element. Uh, being a father, especially to teenagers, is, is a time of great sacrifice. You need to let them witness you giving of yourself for them, for your family, uh, for your responsibilities, for, for your protection of them, for all those things, and for love of your spouse. You need to model those things and, and model Christ's love for us and for his church through that. So, yeah, modeling is everything at that stage. Yeah. It, you used the word uh, manhood. Tom, maybe you can speak a little bit more to that as it relates to what it means to be a man of God. I mean, you in all of those things you just talked about, certainly you talked about a lot, but is there any anything else more specifically um, as it relates to being a father to teens in, in more concrete examples, um, maybe by way of how you relate to your son or your daughter um, as a man of God? Absolutely. Absolutely. As a man the first thing we have to do is take responsibility. Uh, and uh, that responsibility has to come to ourselves and our relationship with Christ first. You can't give what you don't have. Uh, so that first responsibility in terms of manhood is accepting that responsibility and taking those steps, working on your personal relationship with Christ, working on, on uh, experiencing and, and full participation in the sacramental life. Uh, working on developing your knowledge. Uh, you go from a period where your kids know you have all the answers mm-hmm. uh, to a period where they don't think you have any, and you best uh, prepare yourself and challenge yourself to develop in that way. So taking responsibility for your faith, for your knowledge, for your relationships mm. um, comes first. Uh, and then, uh, again, the other aspects of, of manhood is in terms of that responsibility, being there for your family, realizing your priorities and uh, taking those priorities and, and being sacrificial in it. Your family comes first. You set time where you're together. Your family has to have that constancy. You're together for, for evening meals. Uh, there's one easy thing to do that, that uh, is just critical in family life in my mind and in developing uh, the youth is to be there together at times for prayer, prayer before meals, prayer in the evening before bed, those various times are critical, that constancy, that giving of yourself for them. Um, those are some of the key aspects that I see with respect to Father. Yeah. Amen, Tom. You know, you are a father of six. Yes. Yes, like, okay, six. Maybe you can share with us, being one of 11, we were constantly on the go. And for our listeners, they can only well imagine that with 11 kids, your father of six kids, that there's so many diff- different things going on. We, we live in a fast food culture what's what's quick and quick and easy is what's good for me. Yet you said something that I think is very, very important, and that's restoring what rightfully belongs to the dinner table, that place where we gather as a family and we do what we do best. And that's just not eat as a family. That's talk about our day. What, what are the highs? What are the lows? Tom, can you speak to that a little bit as it relates to how you do that as a father of, of six children. Um, now, I know they're not all home now, but certainly there was a time where they all were. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's a time, it's not just for your family, it's a time for friends and, and uh, others as well to invite them in and have, mm. have them experience. And it's a great mm. time to give witness, uh, a great time to share. We hold hands around the dinner table while we pray, uh, and that really draws others in uh, to that prayer time, and, and we find that very valuable. There's the key... In our lives is that uh, involvement and participation uh, in our children's lives so that we can 
know where they're at. You have to know where they are and get to their level to be involved in their lives. Because again, they're distracted by everything mm-hmm. um, at that stage. So being together at the dinner table, to share your day, to share your thoughts, to share your heartaches, to share your troubles, um, sometimes to share your anxieties. Uh, it's, it's just a wonderful time. We usually have tremendous amount of laughter going on mm-hmm. during the meals. Uh, but, uh, but it's a time where they build relationships with each other as well. Uh, and that foundation just grows from that. The number of children, we just wish we had more. Uh, we've been so blessed, uh, but, uh, the table feels very empty when there's, when yeah, they're not there. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. and, uh, so yeah, I definitely see that as one of the great blessings that we've experienced is that time together as family, uh, to, to share, share supper. Mm. There's a beautiful story that my mother-in-law tells that we were just um, with her, and she was talking about how no matter what the circumstances were, at all costs, she would make sure that her children would gather around the dinner table and that they would share and talk about their day. It was just that quintessential for her. Uh, And uh, my sister-in-law was sharing out from that how uh, she had a close friend in high school, And she was talking about just how often they gather around the dinner table basically every night. Uh, And her friend stopped her and said, what do you mean you gather around the dinner table every night? What are you talking about? This was a foreign concept to her. Uh, So after she had talked about that, she invited her over. And she she was super excited to see what this looked like. And she had never really encountered that, um, sadly. And so she did. And It was so interesting, Tom, to listen to my sister-in-law talk about how essentially the dinner table evangelized her friend. Um, You know, that they shared their heartaches, their anxieties, their joys. There's there's always lots of laughter in my wife's family, certainly. And it moved her deeply. It touched her deeply. It witnessed to her. It modeled something I believe is often missed, and that's that family harmony that is the inner life of God, that interpersonal communion that we are made to share in every time we sit at, the, uh, sit at the dinner table. So important. It can never be overlooked because it is when we start, you know, moving at that rapid pace that we move today, that we begin to lose our sense of focus. And then our compass begins to fidget a little bit, you know, and I'm talking about our moral compass. And that's why it's so important as a family to, to do what, what you guys do. Well, there's magic in the meal, and yeah. there's no, uh, it's not an accident uh, that Christ comes to us in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are creatures, we are humans, and in such, we need sustenance, we need food, and food is uh, just such an integral part of, of our sustenance in our life. And so it's natural for it to be a, a focal point, and it's natural for us to then build community through that as well, and family through that. Uh, just as we come together in community uh, in the church, uh, it's reflective of that in the family, um, mm-hmm. as most things are. The, yeah. the family uh, is the building block of the church, uh, and it should be reflective of, of all aspects of community within the church. Amen to that, Tom. Yeah, I mean, in the language of John Paul II, who would talk about the family as the domestic church, yeah, certainly he would want us to see the importance of how the family reflects the inner life of God, most especially how that is made present uh, on the altar. Tom, I was hoping to get into something because I do see it to be so important, especially as fathers and, you know, for all of those fathers out there who are fathers to teenagers, 
And that's just that getting dirty with our teenagers. And by that, I mean playing ball, playing darts, playing volleyball. I mean, when I think of manhood, when it comes to relating to our teenagers, that's part of it. Certainly the sacrificial element and how we reflect Christ is archetypal to it. That word sacrifice, sacrum fice, to make holy, that is foundational. But out from that, you know, how important is that for you? I mean, do you see this? I, I, I know, I, I know we do. <laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's such a great joy too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, such great joy comes from that. But yeah, uh, spending time with your kids where they're at, what's important to them uh, is critical. But getting down and dirty, like you said, yeah, that's, um, uh, that's where you build the real relationship, uh, you know, bumping against each other on the basketball court, uh, whatever it happens to be. Um, that relationship is just huge. I think I mentioned to you earlier, I thought it was pretty funny. I asked uh, my kids uh, what they thought about uh, what was important in fatherhood. And yeah, there was that constant image of modeling uh, that came through. But in particular, my son, uh, mm-hmm. Joseph, had a great line. The first thing that came out of his mouth was, uh, well, as a good dad, you got to beat your sons at stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they, that retains that respect. It retains that uh, urge within them to compete and to, to continue to grow as well. Um, and, uh, fortunately there's a few things that I've beaten them at recently. And so, uh, so I enjoy that, but, uh, but definitely they've gotten to the stage where they start beating me at things as well. So. Amen. There is something that happens there, Tom, I think where, um, in our children, when they have our respect within that context of what it means to be, you know, a, a guy's guy, it opens them up to what it means to be fully human. You know, well, you, well, you so have to important. be real to them. Amen. You have to be real Amen. to them. It can't be, you know, something out of a book. Mm. Uh, it has to be real, and so you have to be real. And that's where mm. we talked about before in terms of developing your own spirituality and developing your knowledge so that you can be real in that to them. And it's a huge opportunity for us uh, as parents of teenagers. You are challenged. They were the questioners up until the time that uh, they were 12. They asked you everything, and you were the answer person. Uh, they always ask why to everything. You've got mm-hmm. children that are doing that now. Yep, it's yep. wonderful. Yeah. Then all of a sudden they turn off. They turn 13 and all of a sudden they're not asking any more questions. Mm-hmm. They're, not ta- they're hardly talking to you sometimes. <laughs> and so you have to find those moments. You have to stimulate that. And uh, you have to have the answers uh, or at least direct them where to find the answers so that then they can uh, develop that understanding that personal relationship themselves, because it has to be theirs. It can't be yours. Mm-hmm. But you have to model how to get there and you have to model what it is. And being real, as you said, being true to yourself, who are you before God as a son of God and in turn as a father? You know, not all of us say play basketball and volleyball and all the rest. Maybe some of us are more inclined to fish. Maybe you fish too, but maybe some of us are hunters. Um, maybe we like to go out and play with bikes or whatever it might be to be true to who you are. You know, it's interesting Tom, I was just in Yosemite with all my in-laws, and they're very different than than I am when it comes to likes and dislikes. And I I loved it. We were in Yosemite. We we were hiking. Um, I enjoy hiking. I usually don't go seek it out, per se, like some of my um, brother-in-laws do, and they were totally in their element. But I I loved being part of it. Now, I do enjoy hiking, and uh, who does not enjoy Yosemite, right? On one of the hikes, we were coming down Glacier Point. And it's quite a hike, you know, and, but just drinking it all in and appreciating the particular gifts in these brother-in-laws, you know, what drives them to do what they do in their manhood. You know, my brother-in-laws are my brothers in Christ and just appreciating the gifts they have. You know, we, we all have our strengths and we all have our weaknesses, but within those, we have gifts too. 
and gifts that are about you know likes and dislikes, what what we what we do and how we grew up and so on and so forth. And as I was around them, I was witnessing how they were witnessing and modeling to their children and how they were just drawn to that. I mean, they were being real and true to who God was calling them to be um, in at least my time with them. And I was just appreciating that because, again, they're talking about things and I was made to do other things that I typically wouldn't do. And for me personally, it was a healthy challenge. Um, But at the same time, it also made me grateful for the things that God has entrusted me with. And so then go before God and say, hey, okay, how am I called to continue to uh, take these gifts and, um, you know, share them with the body of Christ? So there's this, you know, really gets into Paul's vision in his letter to the Corinthians about the body of Christ and the the gifts and the talents and whatnot. But within the context of fatherhood, how important is it for all that we're talking about right now to be true to yourself. You know, maybe for some of our listeners out there, they're hearing, well, maybe I don't do this or maybe I don't do that. Everyone has something that that they have been gifted with. And I think it's important to be true to that. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. And they are all different. And, and we don't have to be all things. Uh, that's not what we're called to be. As you mentioned, we each have our own gifts and our own talents, and we are called to share those. We share those with our family, with our children. They have their own talents. They have their own interests. And getting to know where they are is is just critically important to be uh, present with them where they are at that time and that moment and be truly interested. Uh, and it ama- it's amazing, like you said, with your brothers uh, or your in-laws up in the, in, the, in the mountains in the beautiful area, we love to get out and do those things too. Yeah. I've got some great climbers in my family. <laughs> uh, but um, the things that they've been interested in have opened new doors and new horizons for me. And mm-hmm. again, that's what the children, that's what the teenagers in my mind do for you is help you to see the world in new ways mm. so that you can grow personally and then give that back to them. Amen. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, um, it's a great gift uh, to, to be able to receive that and to be able to share that back. It comes through that way also in the, the church life, in mm. your life within the church. I've been blessed to have the opportunity to participate in church community in various ways, and that has been spiritually rewarding for me. It's, it's been uh, a wonderful experience, but at the same time, it's helped my children to see that there are different ways uh, that you can participate. There's different ways you can give back to God um, through the church, through involvement within the community. So, so again, it's been a blessing, and I know that our children have taken those things. I've got children now that have, are past the teenage years, yeah. and it's wonderful to see uh, how they've become real people. And that's mm-hmm. where trust comes in as well yeah, during yeah, the yeah, teenage yeah. <laughs> years is the only way you can be constant. And the only way you can be that model for them is to realize that the, that God has a plan uh, and God loves them more than you do. And that's, uh, that he's, you have to seek out what his will is. Mm. Um, hence the modeling after Joseph is seeking out the will of God and then doing the will of God mm. and uh, trusting him in those times and in those moments when, when you don't have the answers, because there's plenty of those when you have a teenager that you don't have the answers. Yeah. God loves our children more than we do. And I know that's hard for a lot of people, Tom, and yet um, there's no one greater truth when it comes to our Father. That's why it's so important for our own sonship to be realized, especially us fathers, so that God's fatherhood radiates through that sonship, and ultimately we become the fathers that we are called to be, which which means trusting in him so that, yeah, we are, we are doing everything in our power to be the best fathers we can be in modeling to our children, whether it means, you know, certainly first and foremost, witnessing to our faith and that sacrificial element, but also 
yeah, being true to yourself, being a real guy's guy, getting down and dirty with your boys, um, but also just to be able to to trust, to, to let go, and to allow God to do what He does best, and that's care for His children. You know, Tom, this is a time here in early September where a lot of fathers and parents are having to say goodbye to their children uh, to college. Uh, it's that time where we become very reflective, looking back into the past, asking lots of questions. Um, so this is all so important that we're talking about this now, that we kindle within us a sense of a priority of spending time with our children so that we can say we've done our best and that entrusting them to God becomes that much easier to do. Yeah, the times where we try to take control ourselves uh, are the times that it fails. You realize you get off course when you, when you don't, uh, don't seek God first and seek his will first. When you think you have the answers, uh, you usually find out you don't. Yeah, I mean, it's what we heard from this past Sunday in the gospel, huh, Tom? I mean, Jesus rebuking Peter. Uh, what was Peter doing? He was getting in front of Jesus. And by Peter getting in front of Jesus, uh, he was a hindrance to Jesus. If we are going to follow Jesus, we never lead. <laughs> You know, it's it's a striking juxtaposition um, when you look at some of those verses for what they are, that right after Jesus rebukes Peter, get behind me, he says, oh, by the way, if you want to be a disciple, come follow me. Right. And that's so important in our discipleship as fathers, because that's what it is. Our fatherhood is about a discipleship. And I don't know really, Tom, if there's any more important discipleship than being a father alongside, of course, of being a husband. That well, that's which... an interesting point you just bring up in terms of being a husband. That, and I've heard it said before, it's not my line, but the most important thing you can do as a father is to love their mother mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. show them what that means and teach them by your example the value of, of that relationship, that great go- gift that God has given us and our wives uh, and that great blessing that they are to us. Um, and to participate with your wife in true true unity uh, in faith in rearing the children um, in supporting each other through that process you're not going to agree on everything but you support each other in mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. and uh, to uh, love your spouse to heaven is along with your children uh, is our true vocation amen and so we're very blessed to have that but demonstrating that to your children letting them know that you uh, are an awful lucky man to have that spouse alongside you uh, and that you love them no matter what uh, teaches them more than anything you could do by words. Yeah. You know, as as you talk about loving your spouse and children to, to heaven, um, something we talked about last week is how we learn from our mistakes. As I've said before, the saints that have gone before us are not those who have never fallen. They are those who have witnessed to us how to get up. Getting up the second time is what it means to be a saint. The third time, the fourth time, and we do so in the grace of God. We make plenty of mistakes, but it's how we respond to those mistakes that, that defines us, huh? Uh, that, that we can say we are better than our worst, and I'm going to strive to do better next time. So that being said, Tom, is there something for you and your fatherhood where you say, you want to know that, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't do that well, and now I'm being called to do this. Well, there's plenty of opportunity or plenty of situations in that, and that's interesting that you bring that up. I, I recall when I was a kid that I had a, a situation where when I was a teenager where I didn't fully appreciate my father, mm. uh, and I said some words I wish I could take back. And, mm. you know, there was a time where my, my uh, siblings had gotten to go do various things, 
and I wanted to go out to be with friends, and my dad said no. Uh, and uh, in my anger and in my selfishness and in my personal pride, you know, mm-hmm. I yelled out words that I wish I took back mm-hmm. before they got out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, and I said, "Why do you hate me?" And boy, I knew right away that was a mistake, and that was wrong, and it wasn't anywhere near the truth. But as a father, you realize how hurtful those words could be because you know you could never hate mm-hmm. your children, mm-hmm. uh, and you love your children no matter what. So realizing that, um, as a father, uh, there's been plenty of instances where, especially as I get older, my more cranky, yeah. little, <laughs> a little yeah. less patient than yeah. I used to be, and I realize that, and that's something I'm working on. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's those moments of reacting, I think, are, uh, and which translates into overreacting, mm-hmm. um, where you are uh, reacting not out of uh, love, you're reacting out of something with respect to yourself. You're looking in- inward as opposed to looking outward. You're mm-hmm. looking at yourself and how things are affecting you rather than uh, how you are affecting your children. Uh, and it's those moments, those times uh, where I've failed the most and where I've had to uh, to seek forgiveness. And that's it's uh, that's an important part is recognizing that and going to your children and asking them for forgiveness, mm. um, letting them know that you are not perfect, that we are all fallen humans, mm. all fallen beings, and, and uh, that we all need to seek forgiveness individually through them and in the sacrament of reconciliation. Mm. Uh, so it's, uh, that's a great gift to give your children as well, uh, mm. is Amen. that seeking of forgiveness. Yeah, there's a tendency, maybe as a father, Tom, to um, look at what you're talking about right now and say, yeah, I, I never want to become vulnerable to my children. There are, I know there are a lot of men and fathers who have shared with me that, that that certainly is their most difficult thing. And yet, this really is one of the great gifts we can give to our children. Certainly, timing's everything. <laughs> timing's everything. But um, because the reality is they see the mistakes, especially no as teenagers. So who, who are you kidding? Who are you fooling, right? I mean, You're not. So it's, it's to be present to that truth that as long as we are vested with the flesh, you know, we come from a fallen nature. We're going to make mistakes. We have that inclination to sin you know, that selfish appetite. So as to just say, okay, I made a mistake here. And then in turn to be able to ask forgiveness, how important is that? And again, it comes back to the modeling aspect. It comes back to the importance of witnessing to this great theme and topic of reconciliation, forgiveness. Yeah, absolutely. And the vulnerability there, as you mentioned, you're vulnerable no matter what. They they see it all. But uh, asking for forgiveness are probably the some of the times of, of greatest teaching that you can do. And how are they going to develop that relationship themselves of, of looking inward and realizing their mistakes uh, and realizing that it's okay to fall as long as you turn and come back uh, to Christ, you turn and come back to those you've hurt uh, and seek forgiveness, make amends, uh, and grow from it and move forward. That's what it's about. That's what life uh, gives us. That's what, mm-hmm. that's what we're faced with in our condition. And uh, it's a great gift. And so... To model that for your children, again, um, is critical. Amen. Amen. Well, because that's probably the most important point we've talked about, Tom, we'll probably wrap up with that point. Tom, thank you for the gift of your time. It's it's much appreciated. I know that our listening audience very much benefited from what you had to share um, with us this evening. And I'll certainly um, ask you to come join me again if you are so willing and, and so kind with your time. So thank well, it's you great again. To, great to talk with you, Joe. And yeah. it's uh, it's all uh, all I have is experience, no expertise. Yeah. <laughs> well, from your experience, you bring wisdom, and and that's what I appreciate. And again, 
what I'm sure listening audience appreciates. So we'll close with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.